The king of Babylon throws a drunken party, only to be interrupted by a floating hand, writing words of judgment on the wall. On the Bible Brief. Pick up your Bible and read along with us today. Learning happens better with a Bible in your hand. Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parsin. The writing was on the wall, and everyone at the party was in shock. Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parsin. King Belshazzar was pale and faint, fearing the omen that this writing was. Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parsin. The floating hand etching the writing onto the wall would forever be etched into the memories of the partiers. It had been a raucous evening, with thousands of revelers drinking the flowing wine at the grand feast of the king, an event perhaps to distract them from all the happenings around Babylon. The empire was crumbling. Ever since the death of Nebuchadnezzar years prior, the empire had begun to shrink. And now, as King Belshazzar of Babylon was hosting his drinking party, the kingdom was having its last breath. The enemy was close to destroying the once great power, and that enemy would become the new dominant force in the Middle East. The Medo-Persian Empire was on the rise, and it had its sights set on the city of Babylon, the final stronghold of the fading power. Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed about this period, he had seen a statue made of many materials, all representing kingdoms that were about to rise. And according to his dream, the head of gold, Babylon, was about to be replaced by the Medo-Persian Empire. And apparently, as far as Belshazzar was concerned, it was a time for partying. A time for one big crazy party before the eventual, inevitable fall of the city. Little did Belshazzar know that just as this party was cut short by a hand writing mysterious words on the wall, his kingdom would be cut short as well. It all went wrong when he brought the wrong cups into the event. Cups from the holiest place on planet Earth. We read this in Daniel chapter 5. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and silver that Nebuchadnezzar his father had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Immediately, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way and his knees knocked together. The king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers. And the king declared to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck 
and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed, and his color changed, and his lords were perplexed. The party had stopped, and this fearful king was now on a singular mission. He had to find out the meaning of this writing on the wall. He had to know at once. So soon, the now aging prophet Daniel was sought out and brought before the king. And we read this. The king said to Daniel, You are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king my father brought from Judah. I have heard of you, that the spirit of the gods is in you. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the Most High God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all people's nations and languages trembled and feared before him. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne and his glory was taken away from him. He was driven from among the children of mankind and his mind was made like that of a beast. Until he knew that the Most High God rules over the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. Interestingly enough, Daniel doesn't immediately interpret the writing on the wall. Instead, he reviews what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, how the king became proud before being humbled to live like a beast for seven years until he recognized the sovereignty of God over all kingdoms. Daniel is using this illustration for a point, though. He continues, And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all this, but you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of heaven, and the vessels of his house have been brought in before you, and you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath, and whose are all your ways, you have not honored. Then from God's presence the hand was sent, and this writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed, Mene, Mene, Tekel, and Parsin. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Daniel shares grave news with this Babylonian king. Belshazzar's kingdom is coming to a swift end for his proud heart against God. The Medes and the Persians will claim it instead. And soon we read this. That very night... Belshazzar the Chaldean king was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Within hours of Daniel revealing the interpretation, Belshazzar's days were brought to an end, 
He had been weighed and found wanting, and his kingdom was divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. In the same night as the feast, the enemy army diverted the great Euphrates River that watered the city of Babylon. They crawled through the opening where the water had flowed, and they infiltrated the city. Belshazzar's great party ended in his death, and more than that, the death of his kingdom. The writing was on the wall, and the writing meant the end of an empire. The Babylonian Empire had now given way to the Medo-Persian Empire, as the gears of history continued to turn toward their culmination. That kingdom that would be set up by God to rule over the whole earth. But before that, God would yet demonstrate his rule to another pagan king. Darius, likely an alternative name for Cyrus the king, was now reigning over the former Babylonian empire. And for portions of each year, he would visit Babylon to rule from there instead of the capital of Persia, the great citadel called Susa. Well, soon after defeating the Babylonians, this Darius set Daniel in a very prominent position within his government. Daniel became one of the three viziers to the king, and as one of the powerful, Daniel had a target on his back. Others began to plot against Daniel, and they eventually convinced the king to issue an edict restricting prayer and worship to the king alone. Daniel, for his part, continued his thrice-daily prayers to God. And because of the irrevocability of Medo-Persian edicts, Daniel soon faced the death penalty for his disobedience of the king. Due to Daniel's prayers to the one true God, Darius had condemned one of his favorite advisors, thanks to the plotting of some wicked men. The king was between a rock and a hard place. He could have pardoned Daniel, but it would be at the cost of his credibility as king. He could condemn Daniel to the lion's den for death, but at the cost of a beloved counselor. In no case could he keep his reputation and Daniel, so he decides to choose the former. Daniel the prophet would be condemned to death. Next we read, Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Darius, for his part, appears to be in great distress over Daniel. He desired that somehow, some way, Daniel might be delivered. And he spends a fitful night worried about this Jewish exile. Until morning finally came. Next we read, Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God! Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. 
and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. The lions had fasted all night like the king, but upon being presented with the wicked accusers, their appetites returned with a vengeance. God had saved his servant Daniel, and he had shown yet another pagan king the great power of God toward his people. Just as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah had been saved from the burning fiery furnace, so here Daniel was saved from the mouth of the lions. Darius had only seen the latter, and he was deeply moved. Listen to the next decree of this king. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Many years ago, Daniel had been uprooted from Jerusalem. He'd been in Babylon for several Babylonian kings, and he would soon leave Babylon for the capital of Persia, Susa the citadel. He had gone from kingdom to kingdom, capital to capital, power to power. And yet through all this tumult and movement in his life, he was a tool in God's hands, a tool to show many pagan rulers that though kings and kingdoms change, there is a king, the king of all kings, who doesn't. One who has dominion over all, who has the power to deliver his faithful, and who raises and humbles kings. One who has his hand on the gears of history, turning them ever toward the main event when he sets up his own kingdom on the earth. A kingdom that will never be defeated or destroyed. A kingdom with no rival. All rulers and all authorities should take note. The writing is on the wall. Join us next time as the exile comes to an end and the people return to find their city in the ashes. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023